Hello, I'm Howard Phillips Lovecraft, and despite all my warning, you're listening to Microphones of Madness. Hey, everybody! (laughs) (laughs) Caught Steve at it again. It's Saturday night, Microphones of Madness. This is June the 4th, 2016. Uh, today's guest, we have Caleb Stokes, creator of Red Markets, an economic horror role-playing game. Now, I'm going to start off. We've been checking the Kickstarter. Not as much as you have. <laughs> that would take some doing. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's going gangbusters over there. I know, I know you had said you were dreaming small, but... Um, <laughs> You know, did you even expect it to, to have this kind of response? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Like, I, I've done enough Kickstarters that I know that, like, as many stretch goals as you think you're going to need, you always need more. So I plan. I've I haven't hit the end of stretch goals I've planned out yet. Um, but um, what you actually expect to get versus what you like write, thinking like I'm an idiot, I'm never going to get this much. Uh, is is different. So I mean, uh, yeah. So it's it's been it's been amazing. It's been better than I could have ever hoped. Uh, but yeah, I did imagine because I just feel like that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, so thankfully, I did because it's been helpful. <laughs> it's the power of positive thinking. <laughs> I wrote check to the universe. Now, now for for folks who. <laughs> aren't um, familiar with Red Markets. They haven't done a lot of homework or um, just hearing about it now. Uh, Can you describe what the game is about, uh, what it's like, what the setting is? Yeah, so Red Markets is a game of economic horror, um, and if I had to give you an elevator pitch, it would be a uh, poverty simulator, but nerd-troped through a zombie apocalypse so as to remain uh, respectfully distant from, you know, the sort of real-world hurt and struggles uh, that the cycle of poverty can bring about. Um, But it is a game of economic horror where there are supernatural creatures, um, but they are as deadly, if not less deadly, than the uh, demands of scarcity uh, and the grind of your job. Um, So if you you wanted an even shorter elevator pitch, uh, you need to kill zombies for money. So. Well, how, how about this for, how about this for a pitch? Screw the zombies, we gotta eat. <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, there's a zombie apocalypse, but it's unevenly distributed. Uh, you are unlucky enough to get the majority of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, apocalypse is a commodity uh, for all of the people that uh, got out. Um, and so basically you're trading with uh, the surviving nation states, uh, collectively called the recession uh, in the setting, for subsistence goods and the chance of maybe one day bribing your way over there or somewhere safe away from uh, the undead. Um, and you trade in the loss, basically going out um, and trading in all the financial carrion left behind. So they want to know who died, who's still alive. They want to know how to draw their congressional districts when they take back the world. They want to know who had credit card debt and who didn't. Uh, sometimes they just want to salvage stuff that's left lying around that they can use over there. Um, and you have a monopoly on that because you're one of the unlucky bastards left behind. So you trade your expertise in dealing with the zombie wasteland for a chance to maybe one day get out of it. 
Interesting. Interesting. So it's really similar to what's going on now, except with zombies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, it is a poverty simulator. It is very hard to save enough to get out. Um, and it's very deadly and damaging to even attempt to do so. Uh, but I don't want people playing, you know, uh, human traffickers working out of Juarez or something gross and disgusting and real worldy that that way. Uh, so mm-hmm. you you well, that are pretty much just kicks out everybody in our group then. I want you to shoot those people. Those are the bad guys. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's nerd troped through the zombie apocalypse. Sorry, Wes. No human trafficker for you. Yeah. Yeah. You actually yeah. just answered every question from, <laughs> from the chat before. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Um, actually, there was one question from the chat uh, prior to this afternoon. Wes asked. Um, when you were creating the game, was there one mechanic that you swore in your head was absolutely necessary that didn't make it to the final cut? Um, yes. Uh, so when I started the game, there was a deeper reputation system for your crew, which is your basically your company. Um, mm-hmm. So there's... However many character sheets you have in a Red Markets game, there's one more. So if you're playing with six people, you actually have seven character sheets because it's you and then your brand. Like, Because there's other people going out to do this. Uh, right. Why should they go with you and stuff like that? And um, that character sheet for your crew used to be way more detailed than it ended up being now. Because um, as we tried the negotiation mechanics, it became apparent like that's really where the meat of the whole economic... Uh, strategic thinking was um, rather than the reputation thing Um, and I may expand that later one day Uh, and there still is a reputation uh, mechanic in the game but it used to be like detailed, used to have like four different components and all sorts of shifting values and stuff like that and I mean that that got cut by the wayside so 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 no more flags with your logo on them that inspire fear or hope (laughs) Uh, skull and crossbones or <laughs> well, golden arches. You definitely brand yourself and you definitely have a name, but now it's simplified into plus rep spots and negative rep spots. So uh, one of the ways you can do things in the setting for not a lot of compensation and then hope it comes up to save you later, uh, besides just you know being a human being and being moral, uh, which doesn't pay real well, um, mm. you can earn plus rep spots for doing like heroic or good things that people will want to reward um, and then you can play on your good reputation and negotiations to get more leverage. Uh, but if you do something crappy or very publicly uh, shaming or embarrassing, uh, that's a negative rep spot that people who are trying to hire you for the lowest possible price can use against you to uh, drive the price down. That will be me. That's a, that's a playing for exposure mechanic. Yes, yes. Uh, it's it's called as a favor. Uh, it's the worst place you can go on the negotiation ladder. Um, but uh, And then there's multiple rules for how you can use that. So if you're playing a boom mode game, which is easy, you just use a rep spot and it's gone. So you it's a one-time spend. Um, but if you play a bust role game, your reputation's forever. And the only way to get rid of negative reputation is to burn positive reputation on it. Um, so it becomes like 
negotiations become more and more challenging as you continue because you have this narrative uh, that you've sort of erected around your company brand that you're constantly trying to deal with in negotiations. That that actually makes it quite interesting because you know when you're trying to talk to somebody and you have to go well you know we we've set fire to three city blocks a couple sessions ago <laughs> and it's uh it's contextual too like so like um in the playtest that we're gonna release to all the backers uh, I actually got to play and Ross was the GM um and uh, we were not. We didn't really like slavers or anyone dealing with any kind of human trafficking stuff. Right, and so right. we became very known for just flat out murdering those people. Mm -hmm. um, and so it depended on the job because like certain jobs, it was like, yeah, we want these guys. They're, you know, Robin Hoods of the wasteland. They're awesome. But then other jobs is like, look, I just want you to herd my cattle from point A to point B. I don't want you to like get off track and go on a bloody request for revenge. I need a, I need a courier. I don't need like Robin Hood or anything. So, uh, they're you, Robbie. yeah. And they can be contextual and played one against the other. So, yeah. but like I said, that reputation system used to be like a whole page and, uh, but it became kind of cumbersome to track. So had to cut it. Yeah. Now let's, uh, let's talk about the dice mechanic a little bit because, you know, listening to the, the beta on RPBR, um, it seems like there are no opposed roles that the player is really kind of rolling against uh, himself or just the, the universe, the market. The invisible hand is throwing the other dice. Um, yeah, so can you describe uh, the mechanic a little bit for us? Yeah, so the basic mechanic of profit system is you roll a black D10 and you roll a red D10, mm -hmm. uh, and you roll them at the same time. And your goal is to be in the black. So you want the black number higher than the red number. Um, and in order to keep the math simple with that and keep things going as fast as possible at the table, um, you're only ever going to add to the black. So you're never going to have to add to red unless it's like a special, special, special case. Uh, so it'll be really rare for that. Um, so basically what you do is you roll the black and the red. Uh, you're going to add your skill to the black. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then there's also something called charges, which are this abstract measurement of how much your gear can do. So if you're, say, shooting and you spend more rounds, you can add to your probability of success. Now, you have to spend those rounds before you roll, so you're sort of gambling your resources, and there's a heavy resource management aspect of the game regarding that. Uh, so basically, you roll the red and the black. If the black's higher, you succeed. If the black is uh, modified black is even to the red or lower, you fail because you're in the red. Um, if you critically land on odds, meaning natural before you add anything, like one one three three five five, that's a critical fail. And if you critically land on evens, that's a crit success. So um, it's a very swingy dice mechanic, and it's very uncertain because it's a horror game. Uh, but the more you can spend, you can get yourself up to like 90, 95% chances of success if you spend kind of like economics because, you know, if I spend money on everything and I have endless amounts of money, I can have a 95% chance of getting out of jail for, you know, serious crimes and, like, all sorts of stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you, you spend on that. Um, and that's the basic dice mechanic. Uh, in terms of opposed or not, uh, I try and keep things moving quickly. So, I mean, to my mind, it never made sense a lot of the times doing opposed rolls between the GM and the PC. So, like, let's imagine you're rolling to dodge a punch, right? Mm -hmm. And you roll and you fail, 
but then the cultist fails the punch, and so nothing happens. Did you really fail to dodge if you didn't get punched? I mean, isn't that the sole point of dodging, not being punched? It sounds like a success to me. Mm. Um, so basically the way it works in red markets is uh, the market will succeed if you lay it, let it. So uh, I only have a certain number of actions I can declare my market forces doing because they're not endless badasses that can do a billion actions. Um, but that's all I have to keep track of. Uh, so when I say the cultist is going to punch you, you roll to dodge it, and that's it. If you succeed, he didn't hit you. If you fail, he hit you, because that's the definition of it. Um, right. Same thing for um, you succeed at shooting, but but if it's an opposed roll, the GM succeeds at dodging for the NPC. Well, obviously, you didn't succeed at shooting then. Like, that was your one job. To shoot. <laughs> so, um, so in red markets, they're very, uh, there's almost no opposed rolls between the... Uh, I mean, if players really want to get in PC conflict, that's fine, but that's like a really bad idea because you've got money you need to make, and that's not doing it. Um, but uh, in in between the GM and the players, uh, the GM's only rolling to generate random things in the setting. So when I design a Red Markets adventure, I don't have to individually place every zombie on all the maps and stuff. I roll my red and black to see black, how many zombies there are, and red, how far are they away from the closest victim which is all that matters when you have shambling zombies. Or if I want to see how much something costs, I roll black to see demand, and I roll red to see supply, to not only see how much it costs, but see why it costs that much. So mm -hmm. I can describe the setting around it and have it fluctuate. So um, as a, as, And then if I don't have an idea for an adventure, I have tables in there where I can just randomly roll reds and blacks and get the whole scenario improv style. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's really all I'm rolling as a market is to randomly generate new aspects of the setting. Uh, everything else I just narrate, and it's going to happen the way I narrate it unless the PC prevents me, uh, and that's what they roll against. Nice, nice. Cool. So now I'm curious as to how much of it was random and how much of it was planned. Uh, what is beta. it? The, on the beta, sorry. Oh, Okay. Because, honestly, it all sounds planned out, so <laughs> it does. Uh, what, are you That's talking about, thematic. like, oh, this, this, oh, oh in, the like, writing setting. scenarios? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, uh, so for me, yeah, because I have to write all the encounters. In the book that everyone's going to get, though, you get a D100 table of encounters. So uh, I have to write the book. So yeah, of course, all the encounters are planned by me. Uh, but like when you're, uh, but when you're like running it, you'll have a D100 table and then a D10 table of themes. So those kind of like prompt you to write your own encounters uh, and that kind of stuff. Uh, but otherwise, when like zombies show up, I never, uh, unless it's like a horde or an aberrant or something like a big deal, I never really have uh, a big uh, thing statted out. I just roll red and black. Right, because and if, yeah, the reason I'm asking is in the just for the people listening in the beta, the way it's set up is you have your job, and on your way to your job, you have let what you call legs of the yeah. journey, and you have encounters on each of those legs, like yes, D and D kind of thing, and they sound like they're planned out, but <laughs> well, for me, they will be. Uh, for me, yes. Because <laughs> uh, hopefully for backers, if they don't want to do that, they don't have to because they'll have that uh, table sitting by. So, 
Uh, but even then, when I planned them out, I rolled. So uh, basically, the way it works is there's there's four states of a dice roll in red markets. It's crit success, success, fail, crit fail. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, I would just roll 2d10, and then that decides the flavor of it. So if it's crit fail, you're it's going to suck, and it might kill you or suck even worse. So those are the only choice points. Like, you're going to lose money, health, sanity, uh, whatever, or you might die or lose even more, and that's the only way, that's the only thing you're seeing on a crit fail. Um, so uh, on a fail, it's going to be bad for you, but perhaps you could get some profit out the end of it. It might not be worth it, but that remains to be seen. So, like, on a regular fail... Uh, you run into two cultists having a gunfight, and now you're just stuck in the middle of it. It sucks if you get gunned down and murdered, but maybe if they all die, you can loot their stuff and get something out of it. It'd be better not to be in a horrific gunfight that there's that. Um, On a success, it's something you can pass on by. So I don't want to go in there and loot that abandoned grocery store that has the roof about to cave in, so I won't do it. If I do do that, I get a chance to earn more bounty. So right. you have a choice to expose yourself to the risk or not. And then on a crit success, it's just basically money in the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those those are basically the themes. Um, and so on a D100 list, that's basically what it's going to be. Like, there'll be, uh, when you get to 11, that'll be a crit fail. That's bad. 12 will be even. That's a success. Say a success regarding the weather. 13, that'll be a failure. A parrot regarding the weather. Uh, and then you just move on up until you get to different levels. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's basically just four themes recycled uh, with endless variations on the details. So I rolled for that. So uh, times where it looked like I was being really mean on the PCs, they got like a crit fail roll and Two failures. That was it. We just went with it. Uh, so, yeah. It almost sounds like it writes itself. Uh, that was the goal. Um, in red markets, you're supposed to have... Uh, you're really not doing it right if you have a scenario that's over like a thousand words. Because uh, since it's supposed to be an economy, you're supposed to let your players pick what they want to play based on what the best bid is or what they like. So um, I'd always have at least three jobs written up. Uh, and that's a lot of work if it's like your Pathfinder 5,000, 10,000-word module that you're writing up prepared for game night. So uh, in Red Markets, the book is so big, not because the system's so complicated, but because it's trying to do so much of the work for you um, so that you can write two or three scenarios at once and give your players a choice. And then so that work's not wasted, you can have those jobs pop back up again next week because they're still on offer. So. Right. So, so it's it's much an engine as it is a uh, scenario-based game. Yes, yeah. Uh, it is very much designed to um, try and take as much work out of the GM's hand as possible so that they can do more work, basically. Uh, put it towards offering a wider variety of things rather than one really detailed thing. Excellent, excellent. Nice. Do you have anything else, Steve? Because um, because I have one that might end up becoming very detailed. Okay, well, <laughs> I was just going to ask what influenced... <laughs> what were your influences for the for the game, for the mechanics and the different aspects? 
of the game. Um, you know, I, I see what I want to see when I'm when I'm listening to you guys play it. So, I mean, I see aspects of games that you've played before. Oh yeah, I'm. I mean, it's definitely in there. Um, I've only been role playing for like six years at this point. So like. And I've never played a game that hasn't been recorded on RPPR, so like my influences are pretty like out there. So like Wild Talents is definitely in there. Um, the newest Delta Green uh, actually had a big. Uh, I, I got to read drafts of that because uh, we were part of the playtest group, and that had a big influence regarding uh, dependence and vignettes and stuff. Um, and that was a big influence. Uh, so yeah, there's a ton of systems in there that I, I really enjoy. Uh, Trail of Cthulhu, Gumshoe, basically. Right. The, uh, the, the yeah, the, the anxiety of spending before you roll. Right. I think is is a is a great way to bring that sort of like, uh, I don't know, like dread. I like I like a horror game that brings the anxiety of the setting to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, I think Trail of Cthulhu does that well. So um, those are my biggest game influences. Probably Trail, Wild Talents, and Delta Green. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so yeah, the question that I had uh, was actually brought up by Lehman Kessler of Ask Lovecraft. Uh, he wanted he he dropped a, a phrase on me to have you explain, and that is the objectivist theory of dice mechanics. Uh, I don't know. Here we go. I don't know where that comes from. I have no idea where it came from either. All right, hold on. Let me get out my copy of Atlas Shrugged. I don't have a copy of Objectivist Theory of Dice Mechanic. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I do have Objectivists in the setting, basically, as a cult. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you can't the, think... The Rambian? Yeah, the Rambian. Not a big change. Uh, they're, they're money monsters. Like, everyone else is going to try and attack your sanity or your flesh, and they will try and drain you of all of your possessions and worldly capital. Uh, so, so yeah. Real life, in other words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm attacking you in a different way. Um, uh, I'm not sure what the... I, I, I may have said that before, but I don't remember what I... <laughs> uh, I'm, he's, uh, he's in the chat right now. We'll see if... Uh, Lehman, can you explain where that came from? Or remind me where that came from. Yeah, or remind Caleb where it came from. It's a crazy thing about running like a long actual play podcast with Ross's bananas huge backlog because like people refer to stuff you said like three years ago. Yeah, when, you just have no concept of what they're saying. When were you actually playing this beta? Uh, this beta was, jeez, it was probably like spring of last year, like in. Uh, around, I think we started a little bit before Christmas, so like uh, October, November into like uh, March, May of last year. And then uh, we put the beta out for everybody right before Gen Con of last year. Um, And that was open until December. And then I ran the, well, I was in the latest playtest campaign that all the backers will get during uh, spring of this year. We just wrapped that up in um, in May, actually. So, yeah. Now, now with the ability for the players, I mean, players create enclaves right off the bat. If they um, want, yeah. If they I want. Mean, 
there, I'm sure there's probably some pre-gen enclaves and whatnot. Yeah. Um, are there? Is will there? Do you think there'll be an opportunity for some of these enclaves, player created, to make it into the war? Um. Yes. Uh, so I'm already adding in some stuff that was in the original beta playtest, and then uh, that's actually a stretch goal in the Kickstarter. Uh, not stretch goal, a backer reward. Uh, so uh, the backers that back at the uh, Enclave leader level uh, get their Enclave in the book. Um, and then uh, what I really hope, now that we've unlocked the stretch goal for Lifelines, um, I'm working on the website dedicated for Red Markets right now. Um, and then after that, I'm going to try and get some moderators and people to design our forums. Uh, and because Internet culture is such a big deal in the setting, uh, I kind of want it to be both a uh, OOC and an IC forum, so like, mm-hmm. uh, I want people to talk about their Red Markets game and like organize playback posts, but then I also don't see any reason you can't have threads where people are like actually talking as their takers. Um, so I think it'd be cool if people organized like, uh, okay, this is the uh, Missouri enclaves uh, in, in our thread. They will all coexist. Uh, and so, like, don't take one someone else's to it, and then you can have things doing like that. Uh, so I, I'm hoping that people um, make, you know, fan-generated versions of the setting in which they're all sort of setting up enclaves and uh, zombifying their hometowns and, and things like that. Nice. Like, nice. like the old Car Wars that, um, culture. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then another... Uh, I actually had a playtest campaign where the guy had enough players to run two nights, and he was really interesting because he set them both in the same enclave, uh, and the different, uh, the different playgroups were uh, competing crews. So they never interacted, but they were always stealing each other's jobs <laughs> and uh, stuff like that. So. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so so Lehman has been in the chat here while, while y'all were discussing that. Um, he says, the idea of adding scarcity to dice rolls and skill use, you mentioned Trail of Cthulhu, uh, uh, is really cool, and I was curious how it played into red markets. Ah, uh, okay, so I think he's referring to the buy-a-roll mechanic. So... Um, in red markets, there are very few skills where you can just roll it because mm-hmm. it always costs you in time or resources. So, like, I can't see if I shoot the gun well until I spin the bullet. So, right. um, in red markets, to buy a roll or shoot, I need to actually spend a charge just to get to touch my dice. Mm-hmm. And then if I want to spend more charges, that will increase my chance of success, but that one is the minimum. Same wow. thing for first aid. Even if I fail at first aid, or even if I fail with a bunch of charges the first day, those charges don't come back. Um, now, if it's a mental activity, obviously mm. you're not going to buy a roll unless it's something that uses something else. So if it's like research, on what? You can't just research your brain files. Like, you need a library. There aren't a lot of those around right. uh, in the apocalypse. So you need something that can connect to the uh, Ubic, the, the Internet in the setting. So that's a charge off that, or it's bounty to do that. Um, and then the other thing, uh, so if you don't buy a roll, you don't have to spend equipment or some sort of resource on it. You, uh, the, the other rule is one and done. So if it's a roll where failure would be interesting, but it's not time sensitive. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interested if you bought a job not knowing everything about it. So I could say you roll for research, but if you're at there and like, there's what's to stop you from the bad Cthulhu scenario, uh, situation where you just keep rolling until you get it, and then everyone's just bored. Uh, if that's the case, uh, don't 
yeah, just don't ask for a roll. Uh, but what you can do when you with the one and done rule is that if you fail your roll, you can, and it's not time sensitive, you can then succeed at a cost. And basically what that means is you call one of your references. So you call an NPC that you've gotten to know during your five years surviving in this horrible situation. Um, but they get they get by not by going over and taking. They get by by using their expertise. So if you fail to fix the engine, but the zombies aren't beating down the door and you have a phone, you can call someone and you know, like turn on the webcam and be like, how do I fix this? And they'll be like, I'll tell you, but then you owe me. So basically, if you fail that role, you're still spending a resource because now you've lost a bounty that you would earn on this job mm-hmm. succeeding on that role to flip it. Um, so that is probably what he means. So you can't just endlessly grab dice or anything like that. Bare minimum, it costs you time, and time is money. Um, so yeah, that's the buy a roll mechanic. Nice, nice. Excellent. Oh, Excellent. You know what I thought was really cool was the scam mechanic um, for negotiating. Very well, it's very cinematic. In you, you're basically orchestrating a flashback during the negotiation process. So you're negotiating and it's not getting anywhere, so you have your buddy um, had done some research and found out that she likes puppies. Oh, oh the, where you can retcon things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that came about because originally I didn't have that in there and it just became like the negotiator talking to the uh, GM while everyone checked their phones and it was pretty awful. Um and then, and then we let everybody in there, and then it became like four guys screaming at the GM, and like I don't know what kind of negotiation would work that way. Um, so eventually, what we did is kind of like the Ocean's Eleven thing, where like, okay, it looks like your negotiator's failing, and then you cut back to that thing you did to prepare for this, mm-hmm. and then it turns out that like that was just a feint, like that failure was just a. Uh, you know, showing the throat to get them to overreach uh, because you didn't go in there buck naked. You knew the person's spots and you knew uh, what their vulnerabilities are before you walked in there. Um, and that ended up being very cool because it gives everyone spotlight time. Uh, so the negotiator's calling shots, but everyone's like participating uh, and doing things uh, and let people do stuff beyond the negotiation. So if you do scams, you don't have to do stuff to focus on getting leverage on the client. You could do stuff like manipulate the price. So like if you know it's a water job and you just leave the hose on and get rid of all the enclaves water, well, you've destroyed supply to make demand higher and now you're going to make more money for bringing water back as long as you don't get caught doing that dirty underhanded thing. Um, So uh, basically uh, it it worked out that way. So it's it's non-linear. A scam can be happen during negotiation so it could be something that you've set up beforehand to go off at that moment to help the negotiator like a distraction or something to help their role or it can be something that happened before the negotiator ever walked in the door Um, and it's very much non-linear and it and it does make it pretty cinematic uh, in terms of stuff like that and that's how we worked around the whole it's only two people with spotlight time problem and made it a more ensemble thing. Very nice. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, So in the last couple minutes here, just uh, remind everybody of where Kickstarter is and and where they can and where they can check out the the beta test of Red Markets. 
Yeah, so um, if you back the Kickstarter at $10, you get a full preview draft. It'll be 200-plus pages, the entire playable game. Um, the setting the setting stuff will be truncated, but it'll be enough to get you started, and most of the setting you make yourself, so it's no big deal. Uh, the reason I didn't write all of it before I started the Kickstarter because I didn't know how much I could afford to print. Uh, so now that I have the Kickstarter, that's what I'm doing. Um, but that'll be ready the second the Kickstarter meets. Uh, for only $10, uh, you'll also get an entire preview AP campaign other than the one we've already posted online. There's a second one uh, with the rules as written as they are now, uh, just waiting to be downloaded once we do that. Uh, and you can also get a taker name in the book for 10 bucks. Uh, beyond that, you're getting PDFs and, and books. Um, currently, we're working on the stretch goal for an offset print run, which would make... Um, currently, if you're buying a book, you have to pay POD prices, which means you have to pay for the cost of printing the book. Mm -hmm. plus shipping, but we're getting to the numbers. Uh, we're at 850 backers creeping up on 1,000 where it makes sense to do a full print run, and at that case, anybody who has a hardcover will only have to pay um, shipping because uh, we'll do a big print run of 1,000 or more copies, uh, mm -hmm. and it'll just be shipping it to you, and I'll cover the shipping on that. Uh, and then the big one is 52,000. That's full-color art. So in update 11, you can check out a preview of what the book will look like with full color art, and that's what we're currently working on. Um, but as Red Markets on Kickstarter, we have Skype game tickets and Gen Con tickets and art commission stuff and get your own enclave in the book and all that kind of stuff. So Hell, you can even get Caleb to run a game for you. Yes, I'll, I'll come to your house, uh, whatever you want. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm not too proud. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, so the, it's Red Market on there. Um, I'm also on Facebook. There's a Facebook group and there's a G Plus group, both under Red Market. So if you have questions about anything, uh, I'm easy to get a hold of. Uh, I'm on the Internet all hours of the day since I launched this thing, so. So just remember, for $5,000, Caleb will come to your house, dress as chicken, <laughs> and run red markets for you. It would be way less than $5,000 to get me to do that. Come on, dream <laughs> dream just enough. <laughs> I'm trying to – just market, man. I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> Go for the gold. Go for the gold. All right. Well, thanks for coming out, Caleb, and, uh, and joining us for this little chat. Yes, thanks for having me. Everybody that's watching, thank you for watching. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. The audio for this broadcast will be up uh, tomorrow afternoon, so you can download it, listen to it over and over again. Uh, Dickey. Pleasure of our voices. That's right. Our, our one of our favorite players, Lily Dickey, says uh, hi, Caleb. Hello. You can fetish it at night. You can you can, you can blow her a kiss and. and She'll squee, and it'll be fun. <laughs> All right, so uh, Monday night, uh, we will be doing Monday Night Heroes. I uh, believe the tentative schedule is for Atomic Age Cthulhu. We are doing Atomic Age Cthulhu. Uh, Friday, we'll, today, so yes. we'll be in the back in the grasp of the TPK King. And next Saturday, we'll be beginning the review and read-through of Cthulhu Sapa. So join us then. Until then, say goodnight, Gracie. Gracie.